0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: So they don't want your Christmas tree lights. They don't want your garden hose. They don't want your plastic snow fencing, your fenders, right? They don't want your big wheel that the kids just outgrew, right? Yeah. People throw all that stuff in there.
0: When you don't have somewhere where you can rinse the recycling, Um, I know they say when in doubt, throw it out. Um, But should go in the recycling or the trash.
1: Everyone thinks as long as I throw it in there, somebody else is going to deal with it. That is actually adding contamination. It's going through gears and mechanization. It's going through optical scanners.
0: There's a lot of concern right now that after that they're not actually being reused. We've all heard about how China doesn't want our stuff anymore. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last May, the city of St. Louis stopped doing alleyway recycling pickups. The cause was a worker shortage. It was supposed to be temporary, but weeks turned into months turned into a year. The city designated 25 drop-off spots where residents could bring their recyclables. Our producer Kayla Drake talked to one dedicated recycler this morning as she unloaded her car at a drop-off near I-64 in Forest Park. She gave her name only as Barb and explained that over the last year, she's filled up her car once a week to drop off her recycling. The drop-off isn't far from her house, but it's still an inconvenience. Once the city stopped picking up I started dropping off. It is a pain. <laughs> uh, the recycling drop, uh, dumpsters, I was really glad when the city started them. I know a lot of people were complaining about the extra cost, but I was really happy because then I didn't have to drop off. Now Barb says recycling is very important to her. I can't change a lot of things, me personally. You know, I can't stop the production of plastics. I can't change how companies operate just as an individual. What I can do is recycle. Now, it's safe to say not everyone in St. Louis has been as motivated as Barb. And so it was big news when Mayor Tashara Jones promised two weeks ago that alleyway pickups will come back this month. She wouldn't say exactly when. We tried to press her when she visited this show. But she did say the pickups will resume in May. And hey, a year without pickups is a long time. So if you've forgotten how to recycle or just need a refresher on what's allowed and what isn't, we're here to serve. Bob Hankel is a program director of Earth Day 365 and a recycling expert. And he joins us today. Bob, welcome. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Really great. I totally understand where Barb's coming from, that it can be inconvenient. I think that stems from kind of the idea that we want recycling to be the same as trash service yeah. in which we just want to throw it away and let somebody else deal with it. And the recycling system isn't anywhere near the same as trash service. Trash service has creates like one job per 10,000 pounds of trash. Uh, recycling needs like you know 10 or more jobs, right? So it's actually needing more people. It's a job creator. And the way that things get recycled is based on their individuality, not as like an easy group thing that can all get mixed together.
0: Yeah, I mean, walk us through this. So when I'm dumping my stuff in the mm-hmm. big bin and back when the city would come pick it up and will again be picking it up, what happens after that?
1: Well, one of the, one of the benefits of actually reducing the alley dumpster... Service and going to these collection site pickups is that contamination in our recycling went way down, mm. right? It also kind of went way up as far as the type, you know, we were doing really well keeping plastic bags out of the recycling bins, and then all of a sudden people, the pandemic brought us back to increasing that contamination because people were throwing plastic bags, they were throwing styrofoam back into their dumpsters. Why so. would
0: the pandemic be a factor in that? People just maybe had so much else going on, they weren't thinking about these contaminants.
1: One of the biggest issues was home delivery service. Mm. So now everyone's getting all this individual convenience foods, right? And Barb said herself, you know, It's inconvenient, right? And that whole idea of convenience in our lives. And I understand that. We've got so much going on. We're looking for efficient routines in our lifetime, in our lives, right? Yeah. To get from point A to point B. So – but that also goes to a whole cultural imperative of high productivity. And so we've got all these different principles and ideas that are in the milieu of our culture that make it really hard to have a really robust, you know – uh, contaminant-free recycling system. Mm-hmm. So when you put stuff in the collection bins in the city, right, there's those 25 drop-offs. Those are picked up, and they're taken to uh, Republic Services facility. They have one in South County right off I-555. And they also have one up by the airport in Hazelwood.
0: I feel like I've seen these. You, you see just mm-hmm. a massive amount of stuff there that you can see from the highway.
1: That facility is probably pushing 300 to 500 tons of material through its operation every day. Wow. So that in itself, the enormity of that number right there is something to just kind of take pause at and go, there's a lot of material coming. And then we have these home deliveries and we get even more cardboard, you know, and more stuff going on. And then we also have in the consumer market, more types of disposable products. That everyone thinks as long as I throw it in there, somebody else is going to deal with it. So there's this lack of accountability and personal responsibility that happens. And the the overwhelmness of how do I figure out what can or can't be recycled. So Mm -hmm. that's why the city of St. Louis created um, stlcityrecycles.com. So at their website – at stlouiscityrecycles.com, dot com, you can actually get all the information for about eighty percent of the region's recycling is going to go to Republic Services. So it's all going to be the same rules. It's yeah. going to be stick with the six. You want, you know, paper, cardboard, plastic bottles and containers, glass bottles and jars, metal food and beverage cans, plus those food and beverage cartons like your milk and your, you know, things that come in an aseptic container. You know, so. That Stick with the Six was a campaign that we at 1STL.org, a sustainability arm of East-West Gateway Council of Governments, we created a waste of materials working group to look at reducing waste to landfill. And we came up with this campaign called Recycle Responsibly, Stick with the Six. You can find that at recycleresponsibly.org. And it gives you this kind of an impact of keep plastic bags out, you know keep styrofoam out yeah and why do we want to keep plastic bags out because when the material ends up at the republic services facility it's going through gears and mechanization it's going through optical scanners so in fact channel nine did a great show on this and you can google you know material recovery facility to see how these operations go and they're happy to you know, do these tours and, and put these videos out so you can really see how the whole design was around shot size and shape. Mm-hmm. Right. Which your next guest is going to be talk about in a little different format. Yeah, too. It's size an and shape of right? yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit of design, right? So size and shape is really critical. And that is kind of critical about how we even put our materials into the bin. Mm-hmm. If we put a big cardboard box that's not broken down. Um, then that's going to take up more space in the dumpster. It's going to take up more space in your cart. It's going to be harder for that to get through the system because it's trying to look for flat paper and move that differently from a three-dimensional bottle or container.
0: So that adds another step for somebody else if you're not taking care of it.
1: Exactly. So, like, you know, I'd rather see everyone carry around a little, like, case cutter, a little pocket knife so that when they go to the dumpster, they can actually slice the tape, flatten the cardboard down, and then – what happens a lot of times is people think like it came in a cardboard box and, and i'm not sure exactly if this is what they're thinking about you know
0: if they're even thinking sometimes right even thinking, one wonders
1: there no there's something there's something gelling here that people really want to do and i find it fascinating you know that okay i got this new tv you know, because now I'm watching so much Netflix that right. I gotta have a bigger TV. So all this stuff coming in. Whatever came in the cardboard box ends up back into the cardboard box. So that includes the twist tie that was around the extension cord. That includes the plastic film wrap that's around the extension cord too, right? It includes the tape that was pushing the Extension cord and and pressing it onto the, you know, securing it on the back of the back of the TV, and also the styrofoam forms that are maintaining the packaging form around there, so your TV comes in one piece, right? And so all that stuff goes back in, including the plastic strapping that goes around the box, right? And so you put all that stuff back in the box, and then you take that out to your dumps, and you're like, hey, I'm a good little recycler. I, I just put it all in there, right? And now you've just added a ton of contaminants basically
0: these are all all these extra things Mm -hmm. these are things that your recycler does not want
1: yeah so when they say stick with the six they really mean stick with the six but people kind of get the idea that oh i can recycle plastic well yes but not all kinds of plastic Mm -hmm. so they don't want your christmas tree lights they don't want your garden hose they don't want your plastic snow fencing your fenders right they don't want your big wheel that the kids just outgrew, right? Yeah. People throw all that stuff in there. And they were designed around the water bottle. That's
0: basically. what they Basically, the plastic
1: water bottle, right? And that also comes from just beverage companies really wanting to get recycling of their products.
0: Yeah.
1: So they really helped make sure that recycling became a really big piece everywhere. So when you're thinking about that plastic water bottle, if you— start filling that with your chew spit, your cigarette butts, your napkins, you know, you start stuffing all this stuff inside there, now you give them this plastic bottle, that is actually adding contamination to the situation because the guy who wants to make more plastic from the plastic bottle doesn't want the napkin and the cigarette, although the cigarette butts are high in plastic because... That's a big toxin, and And that's a whole whole other other thing about marine debris and plastic pollution.
0: Well, look, Bob, i got to cut in here because I can tell you know so much about recycling, and this is so important for all of us to do this right, not just to err on the side of chucking everything into these bins. So if you have a question for Bob, this is a recycling expert here. Our phone lines are now open, 314-382-8255. That's uh, 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. We'll take your questions. We're also hearing some interesting observations. Mary emailed us, please discourage the disposal of used diapers in any of the recycle bins. I find them regularly in green waste and in the blue recycle bins. Bob, I don't even need to check in with you on this. It's so clear to me, no, dirty diapers do not belong in the recycling bin.
1: So let's, let's take a step back. You know, I know we're asking for questions, but number one, let's, let's just take a quick pause on all the stuff that we've been hearing already on this show you know from the unsheltered unhoused to you know Asian violence and stuff i think we just really need to take a pause on on this before we start going into these minutia questions and go what's what are you really needing to know right now
0: and, you, you, what, and what what is what the I'm answer saying, to that and what yeah.
1: i'm saying on on that is I constantly get people at events. You know, I've worked hundreds of events and festivals and people come up to me and they're like, oh, I recycle everything. I do all this stuff. And and then they want to know, oh, well, should I put the bottle cap back on the bottle? You know, you know, these are questions that might seem really important to you, but I really want to bring the impact around to what people have been listening to today and what we're dealing with in our society, because if we don't deal with the grief that our culture kind of imparts around us, these ideas around recycling as I am sustainable, I'm doing the best for the environment because I'm recycling, don't get at the crux of, what about the overconsumption in the first place? If you have a water bottle, you just kind of made several mistakes, as I like to say, before you even got the water bottle right? There's reusable options. There's, you know, where'd you, you know, you could fill up at a, at a tap or a water fountain. You know, I carry a water bottle with me all the time. And so I could also go a little bit longer without water. And yet, do I want to, like, get a water bottle that's traveled 1,500 miles away from another um, community and taken their resources, you know, and that energy and transportation and the embodied energy of emissions through all that, right? And recycling is one of the top 100 ways of reducing climate change and, and drawing down carbon dioxide out of the out of the atmosphere. Project Drawdown is an amazing resource that talks about many solutions to climate change. Dealing with food waste reduction is one of them. Refrigeration and recycling somewhere around like number 50. Mm-hmm. So people think of recycling as this is my gateway in and, and that's all I need to do. But I really want to draw it back to what's our impact globally and and locally on the choices that we make in the supermarket and other places that we get all this material, we get this convenience packaging coming in, and then we think we can just manage it through our recycling system.
0: I, I mean, you make an excellent point there. I do think it, it does go back to what we heard Barb say. This is one thing that many of us can do. Now, we also can pay attention to our own consumption, um, for sure. And I think that, that's an excellent point here. Let's go to the... Um, Actually, no, let's not go to the phone lines. Um, we're, we have a bunch of callers. We're just making sure that, that somebody is ready before we can get to them. You know, the big question that we got on Twitter this morning is people are asking, where are they going after pickup? And I know that you said they go to Republic Services and that they're being sorted there. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of concern right now that after that, they're not actually being reused. We've all heard about how China doesn't want our stuff anymore. Um, and this is a big point of what happens within this chain. Um, well, are they- the these things, things just, yeah, the repurposed. important
1: thing around understanding the recycling system is that we're in the midwest many national stories have come out talking about how things are left on barges and other and other stuff and that's really happened a lot on the coastlines who didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of land capacity and they didn't have all the midwest markets that our our local republic services had he was sending pretty much probably 80 to 90% of the stuff was say, staying domestic, you know, between Oklahoma, Kentucky, you know, Michigan, Minnesota, you know, mm-hmm. here in the Midwest. So, and now Republic Services has made a commitment to not send basically anything internationally. So they're really trying to So know, they have found homes for chains, these things. Right? Okay. We've gotten more paper pulpers on online, um, which is a good thing. Um, and so it really is, and the, and the materials have been moving. And when we say moving, it means like we're getting them from our house to the facility, sorted into bales of like substances, and that being able to being able to be sold to a like paper pulper, an aluminum remanufacturer, a guy who wants plastic number one water bottles to make more plastic, you know, like jackets or yeah, you know stuff like that. So,
0: so that's a great assurance there. We know that stuff coming out of St. Louis. At least there is a home for that. Let's go to the phone lines. Chelsea is calling from Belleville. Uh, Chelsea, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hi, thank you. Um, I was curious about dirty, um, dirty products recycling, like especially when you're out and about at a park or a zoo. Um, when you don't have somewhere where you can rinse the recycling, um, I know they say when in doubt, throw it out. Um, but should it go in the recycling or the trash. Chelsea, great question there, mm-hmm. uh, Bob.
1: And when you say when in doubt, throw it throw it out. Are you, I'm wondering, are you feeling like really guilty if you actually throw something throw something away? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I totally get that, right? I mean, we had Smokey the Bear, you know, put out the fires and, like, put stuff in trash cans. You know, we've had a lot of marketing around that. And there's this idea that our landfills are, like, the worst place ever to put something, right? Um, And actually, in Missouri, we closed a lot of landfills that were just open pits. And so now a landfill is is much better designed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's lined and is designed to take solid materials. Um, And so... I totally understand that grief around wanting to just like not throw it out and I want to be able to be responsible for it. The idea that um, and the principles to follow is everything should be, you know, empty, clean and dry. You know, that's what Republic Services want. If we had everything empty, clean and dry, their facilities would not have, you know, any kind of vectors, you know, in them at all. and, And we're trying to keep food waste and stuff out. Um
0: so, so, so if Chelsea's out and about and and there's mm-hmm. stuff in on her plates or in her cups she should throw it out. Well,
1: I would get rid of the liquid that's in the in the cup and then recycle the cup. So people that put a you know let's just talk about how a plastic water bottle will go through the facility, right? It gets into the truck, it's dumped onto a big tipping floor, big concrete open bit, a front end loader, you know, lifts it all up, puts it into a hopping machine and onto conveyor belts. And now it's, it's gonna travel through the whole facility until it gets to an optical scanner that's gonna shoot a, a light down there and read what kind of plastic this is. Is it a number one plastic, like your water bottle? Is it a number two, like your laundry detergent bottle? If it's a number one, this is what this particular line wants to look for. And as that water bottle goes under the optical scanner, it'll trigger a breath of air that will blow and pop that water bottle up off the conveyor belt and into a bunker of like number one objects. If there's water in there, like a you know quarter of the thing you know a certain amount of weight that breath of air is not going to be able to be strong enough to knock it off the conveyor belt and it's going to drop into a into a, a bunker that's going to have more mixed plastics in it so we just kind of lost an opportunity there
0: hmm.
1: right not only that but let's say that the you didn't have the cap on really tight and you start pouring water out of that bottle and the thousands of others that are in that bin on top of paper and now we have paper mixed up with all this other stuff, and it's getting wet, and then that's degrading its value as a commodity for reuse. Paper has a certain length of fiber. You know, colored magazines have, like, the, some of the best, longest fibers um, in paper, and tissue paper and toilet paper have some of the shortest. And so Kleenex and toilet paper and things like that, we don't want to put into our Um, or paper towels for that matter into our recycling bin because the fibers are already been reused. They're too short to really get good recycling out of that material. And so thinking of the whole system might be a way to approach how do I deal with this particular issue in, in my hand? Mm-hmm. Um, and the hardest thing with recycling education is I feel like I have to have these conversations with every individual. Sure. Um, because everyone has a different kind of product in their hand, and everyone wants to know, like, can I do this? Can I do that? We try to, to create these kind of blanket statements, um, but I would really recommend going to stlcityrecycles.com and learning through those uh, activities on their site and their blogs uh, about what can and can't go in the in the bin.
0: Well, Bob Hankel, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. That's a great uh, reminder, stlcityrecycles.com. Get up to speed, get ready for that alleyway pickup. Um, there's a bunch of great suggestions on there. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: And Bob is the program director of Earth Day 365. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air?